The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. During this so-called pandemic, we are all starving for truth. That is why in the past few weeks I've made a departure from our traditional topics in order to cover this event to the best of my ability. Tonight we have someone with the necessary credentials to question the script that is being played out. Someone many of you probably know already since he has been featured all over the world in the past few weeks. And if you want the truth from a doctor whose motto, like me, with Veritas, he also uses a Latin term. His motto is Medicamentum Authentica, which means authentic medicine in Latin. And it is the standard he adscribes to when he presents health information. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy, MMS, CBD pure hemp oil, Divinia water, pure organic sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Fabregas. Tonight's special guest is Dr. Andrew Kaufman, MD, a natural healing consultant, inventor, public speaker, forensic psychiatrist, an expert witness. He completed psychiatric training at Duke University Medical Center after graduating from the Medical University of South Carolina and has a bachelor's degree in science from MIT in molecular biology. He has conducted and published original research and lectured, supervised, and mentored medical students, residents, and fellows in all psychiatric specialties. He has been qualified as an expert, witness in local, state, and federal courts. He has held leadership positions in academic medicine and professional organizations. He ran a startup company to develop a medical device he invented and patented. And with these great credentials, I'm excited and honored to introduce Dr. Andrew Kaufman to the Veritas audience. Hello, Dr. Kaufman, and welcome. Well, hi, Mel. Uh, Thank you so much for that nice introduction. Well, it's a privilege for me, and you've been all over the world in the past few weeks and in the most respected alternative shows out there. And most of our listeners, I bet you they know who you are already. But I want to know, when did you start questioning what is currently being played out Well, uh, almost immediately uh, when I heard about what was happening in China, um, especially when they started instituting uh, some very uh, draconian procedures over there. So um, I I, my radar uh, went off and uh, I smelled something fishy and I started looking into things right away. Do you think this virus was manufactured or was it naturally occurring? Well, I actually don't think there's any evidence of a virus uh, at all. That is, and be, that is one thing that a lot of people are wondering now. Please explain that. Yeah, sure. So 
um, I came to this, uh, you know, with an open mind, and I had been studying uh, germ theory, uh, which is uh, the theory that, uh, you know, germs like viruses or bacteria cause disease, and there are a lot of problems with the science behind that. And so when I started looking into um, how the scientists claim to identify uh, a virus or a new virus that they eventually called uh, SARS-CoV-2, um, I discovered that uh, the procedures they were using were actually not uh, formulated uh, in such a way that they could possibly uh, find a new virus. And uh, it took quite a bit of, um, you know, reading and thinking and research to, to come to this conclusion. But essentially what they've done is, is very poor scientific procedures. So some of the main principles that you would use when designing an experiment, such as separating variables from each other so they could be measured independently and using uh, controls for your experiments to make sure that you're not finding uh, um, a signal that's not present, like an artifact, uh, that they did not employ these uh, techniques at all in the way that they uh, alleged to have isolated a new virus. Is there evidence that the coronavirus is causing, or COVID-19 rather, is causing disease? No, there's, uh, there's no evidence um, of a virus that's been isolated, and there's certainly no evidence that any virus is causing any new disease. In fact, uh, when I look at the numbers of overall mortality, I don't see any evidence of a new disease at all. Is this because a lot of diseases like heart disease or cancer or some of the others, all of a sudden you see this precipitous downward spiral in the past few months? Is it because they're replacing one with the other? Yeah, that's definitely my opinion. If you look at, uh, for example, the overall all-cause mortality on the CDC website, what you see is uh, the most recent uh, time I looked at it is that this year there are 6% less deaths overall than last year given the same time frame, so like from January 1st to the present date. So this suggests that there's no new cause of mortality since the overall death rate is essentially the same or slightly reduced. In addition to that, if you look at specific causes of deaths, as you mentioned, like heart disease, you see that it has dropped down considerably from the last several years. Um, and there have been other examples of this as well, such as influenza and pneumonia are down significantly. So if you take into account the instructions that have been given by the CDC and other public health agencies on how to fill out death certificates, um, also consider how there is a differential uh, hospital billing and reimbursement depending on being diagnosed with COVID-19. You can basically see that they are essentially just relabeling people dying of other causes as dying of COVID-19. And this serves the purpose to inflate the numbers of deaths directly attributable to COVID-19. But that's a false premise because there is no uh, burden of proof to say that someone died from the cause of COVID-19, uh, the way the instructions are given. So take this into consideration with looking at the all-cause mortality or the overall death rate, and it paints a picture that basically people's deaths are being relabeled as COVID-19, but there's no evidence of any increased number of deaths or any new cause of death. How accurate are the tests being used, and is there a gold standard for testing? 
Well, there should be a gold standard. And in fact, um, I've been taught since medical school that any time you develop a new diagnostic test, the way to evaluate that test is to compare it with a gold standard. That way you can calculate an accuracy and an error rate, uh, as well as other characteristics that would be important to know when you employ the test. The two types of tests that were developed uh, for diagnosing COVID-19 are not uh, based on a gold standard and they neither of them measure a virus. Um, in fact, there's never been a gold standard employed to test them against. So they essentially are uh, were were evaluated with nothing to compare to. So thus, uh, they couldn't possibly be accurate. Um, in addition, it's not clear what they're testing for. And this is part of the research that I was talking about that is not designed properly to measure what they claim to measure. So, for example, the procedure by which they found an RNA sequence that is the basis of the PCR test and that is the test that's most uh, commonly used, and it's the one that takes several days to get a result. So what they did is they had just a very small group of patients initially who had respiratory symptoms. They had a, a group of nine patients. And all, out of seven of those nine patients only, they were able to pull lung fluid and identify an RNA sequence. RNA is a type of genetic material that usually comes from DNA, but it can also be turned into DNA through a reverse transcription process. And what happened is they took this lung fluid, but did not purify it. And the lung fluid contains many sources of DNA and RNA, including but not limited to our own lung cells, our own immune cells, the bacteria and fungi and viruses that normally live in our body. Um, as well as free uh, RNA material, um, as well as RNA or DNA from exosomes, which are secretions from our own cells. So what they did is took this lung fluid and mixed it with an enzyme to break apart the cell membrane so that any genetic material contained inside of a cell membrane was released into the solution. And then it could be measured by various techniques to look for uh, specific sequences. So this was done and a sequence of RNA was identified, but it was not identified from a pure source. So the origin is unknown. The main reason that they claimed that this was related to a coronavirus was because when they took the sequence of this specific RNA strand, they compared it to a previous coronavirus called SARS-CoV-1. And that was the virus that they alleged was responsible for the SARS outbreak in 2003. And the way that they said that these were related was that there was a just under an 80 percent uh, sequence identity between the two strands. And they said that was enough to show that it's a coronavirus. However, if we look at the sequence identity between humans and chimpanzees, we'll find that that's 90 percent identical. Yet. I don't think anyone in your audience would classify us as chimpanzees, but that's essentially what they did based on a much lower sequence identity of less than 80%, so more than 16% less identity. And that's essentially how they have claimed to identify that there is a novel coronavirus. Don't you find it interesting that the Johns Hopkins University was one of the sponsors for Event 201, the pandemic exercise organized by the Gates Foundation last October. And now they are the ones keeping the centralized count of cases and deaths 
due to COVID-19 worldwide. What's your take on that? Well, it, it seems like a, quite an unlikely coincidence. I mean, the World Economic Forum and the Gates Foundation did sponsor that event and coordinated that with various faculty at Johns Hopkins. So uh, perhaps part of that plan was for them to keep the uh, official statistics. It's very unusual for a private university to be involved in such uh, a public health endeavor. Um, it's almost always done by a public health agency like the CDC. Because of the grants that they receive on the research and so on, right? Well, I'm not I'm not sure, but I would imagine that uh, Gates is one of the primary financiers of that operation. Mm-hmm. Now, I saw a flu vaccine insert, which shows one of the ingredients is coronavirus. If someone had the flu shot in the past, can they show positive for CV? Well, the thing is, if you look back at other coronaviruses and the papers that claim to have isolated those viruses, you'll see that they use the same exact techniques. So the other genetic sequences that they found also uh, don't really have a clear origin because they were taken from an impure sample. So it's really hard to say what exactly it is that they're putting in the flu vaccine. But I can tell you that there are several outcomes that have been measured from flu vaccines. Uh, For example, there is a study that shows if you take the flu vaccine three years in a row, you actually have a higher risk of getting the flu subsequently. There are also uh, many reports in the VAERS database, which is a voluntary reporting system for vaccine uh, adverse events. And it's not uncommon to see cases of what's known as Guillain-Barre syndrome, from the flu vaccine. And that is essentially a uh, paralyzing reaction. And sometimes it can be permanent. If you look back at some of the uh, vaccines that were kind of rushed to market in a epidemic type situation, like the swine flu uh, vaccine in the 70s, uh, you'll see an increased uh, incidence of paralysis uh, similar to what can occur with the flu vaccine in in those cases. And there were many, many lawsuits uh, related to that at the time. Is it true that you can only get a virus when injected? Well, um, I have uh, done quite a bit of research on viruses and have not actually found any papers that have uh, successfully proven that a virus is the cause of a human disease. So it would be really difficult to answer that question because I'm not sure that there are any viruses that cause disease that actually exist. Um, I have a different uh, theory about what may actually be the particles that are known as viruses. But certainly, if you inject anything into a person, it could easily make them sick. And that could be virtually any type of foreign substance. What about dengue fever or chikungunya or one of those strange ones that you see a lot in the tropics that are transmitted allegedly by mosquitoes. Do you lend credence to this or is this another conspiracy? Yeah, well, I think actually all of the viruses uh, that they allege to cause disease are all uh, part of a psychological operation. Um, So those would be included. I do think, however, that the, the meaning of the word virus is very important to consider in this respect, because what it means is it also comes from the Latin, just like uh, the names of our enterprises, and it means a poison or noxious substance. 
So what I have found, and I know this to be true based on my own experience for several viral Ill- or allegedly viral illnesses, that what they are really is a response to a toxic substance and that the symptoms are essentially a way for our body to purge that toxic substance. So in that sense, calling it a virus, meaning poison, would actually be accurate. However, what I think these particles that they show under the microscope that they allege are the cause of disease are actually a response to the disease. And what I think these uh, refer to are what's known as exosomes. Now, exosomes were officially discovered about 30 years ago, but I believe that they were actually discovered when the first image was seen that was claimed to be a virus. And what exosomes are, are basically a type of small vesicle, like a tiny little water balloon, much, much smaller than the size of a cell. And they contain some kind of genetic material like RNA or DNA and all of the forms that are alleged to be contained by viruses. And they contain a membrane with receptors that identify a target cell. And they are they are secreted by all the cells in our body and all mammalian cells, in fact, um, and they're secreted all the time at like a low base rate. When we are exposed to some kind of insult, and this could be a number of things, including various types of toxins like heavy metals, um, organic molecules, uh, antibiotics, and other drugs, uh, psychological shock, uh, ionizing radiation, uh, asthma and autoimmune diseases, and uh, acute infections, the ends, exosomes were, are induced and produced at a much higher level. And they are thought mostly to serve a role of communication between cells at a distance. And the receptor that they have is like a lock, and it, they're unable to move on their own, just like they say about viruses. And they would passively move around the body through the blood and other fluids. And when they encounter the cell that has the right um, uh, key for their lock, they will then um, bind with that cell and inject their genetic material into that cell, which contains the information they're trying to communicate. It may also be possible that this mechanism works between uh, organisms, uh, like from one person to another, or may even communicate information between species, but there's not uh, much scientific evidence on that so far. The other role that exosomes may play is in removing toxins from the extracellular space. So there's some interesting research demonstrating that they have the ability to actually take up toxins and that when they do this, um, that they protect the cells from the deadly effects of those toxins. And that was the next question. Apparently, there's confusion between viruses and exosomes. Can exosomes be transmitted from person to person? Well, it's uh, really not fully known from scientific experiments, but it certainly is conceivable because exosomes have been shown to be uh, excreted by our body, like similarly to how you might think viruses pass between people. Um, But really, there's only indirect evidence to look at this. Uh, So there is genetic material that seems to be foreign that is present in exosomes. In fact, there are many studies that look at exosomes genetic material and claim that they actually contain viral genetic material as well as human genetic material. So I think it's possible that 
viruses were misidentified as exosomes because the idea that there was a unseen virus that caused diseases that were unable to be explained by the leading uh, scientists at the time in the context of germ theory. When Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com because you don't want to believe you want to know subscribe now to listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material proceed to the veritas plus member section or join the veritas plus family by subscribing click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com don't forget to visit the veritas store for focused life force energy get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it, because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.